0: Hey everyone, so we are Brett and Chrissy Billman, and we're going to be kind of sharing our story tonight and just what marriage has looked like for us for a while now, and uh, it's just some of the things we've gone through, and going to share that with you guys. But before we jump into the non-fun stuff, I thought we'd share just some of the more fun stuff. We have been together for 14 years. Um, we have a picture of when we started. That's not our kids, that's us. Um, a while, 15 years ago, sorry, 15 years ago. Uh, so that's kind of where it started for us. High school sweethearts growing up together. It was really fun knowing each other extremely well before we even got close to marriage. Um, it was exciting. And then next is a picture of Lives Now. So that's our daughter Landry, who's almost four, and then Coulson, who is very angry, and almost two. So it's just little kids don't, don't love photography. I don't know what it is. Uh, but we love Reengage. It's done a lot for our marriage, specifically because uh, Chris got to work with Reengage for about 10 months before having our first kid. And so just getting to be part of the whole ministry on the backside was really exciting to get to watch and listen to all the stories coming out. And then for me, I now work here as the finance director, so getting to do the money. So that's a little bit about us, and um, here's kind of our story. So like I said, we we grew up going to school together from third grade on. We went to a small private school here in Dallas. After much pursuit on my part, Chris agreed to finally go out with me in high school. Once we graduated, we went to Baylor University together. Chris got her degree in Child and Family Studies while I got mine in Accounting. This should show you how different we are. We had a relatively volatile relationship while dating. We were both stubborn and hot-headed. This would often lead us to fights that ended with someone storming off. Chris dragged me kicking and screaming to a premarital class here at Watermark a year before we got engaged. That class was the beginning of realizing what a high call it is to be married to someone. Philippians 2, three through four just says, do nothing out of selfish ambition or vain conceit, but in humility consider others better than yourselves. Each of you should look not only to your own interests, but also the interest of others. Uh,
1: We got married in May 2010. Um, Circumstances were not ideal for a bride. The weekend before the wedding, I was hospitalized and diagnosed with Crohn's disease. The entire wedding and honeymoon were spent with me being sick while Brett took care of me. Um, He did a fantastic job uh, taking care of me, which led to the process of me looking to him more as my savior um, and putting him on a pedestal. Brett was in public accounting. And in our first busy season of marriage, we would go days without seeing each other.
0: After five months of marriage, we joined a foundation group here at Watermark. This consisted of six newly married couples meeting each week with a mentor couple, teaching us what it looked like to live in authentic, biblical community. It was easy for us to be in that group and kind of feel like we had it all together. Our mentor couple graciously but boldly exposed some of the ugliness that they were seeing in our hearts, such as pride and self-righteousness. It's possible that we weren't quite as healthy as we thought we were.
1: As we were in full swing of learning what biblical community and authenticity looked like, I got pregnant at the beginning of January 2012. Eight weeks later, later, we learned that we had miscarried our first baby. This miscarriage started the process of truly confronting who I turned to for my comfort and my answers. Because Brett was seen as my savior, I turned to him to give me that comfort, the answers, and the... um, Feelings I needed to for him to take away of loss and pain. Fast forward six months, I found that I was pregnant again. Much to my surprise, this pregnancy was extremely challenging. I found myself being angry with the Lord for first allowing a miscarriage and then being so sick with this new baby. Thankfully, our little girl was born very happy and healthy in April 2013. While I thought that we had all things marriage figured out at this point, this baby brought a whole set of challenges to our relationship.
0: By this time, I had left public accounting and had been working at a hedge fund for a couple of years. The first few days after bringing home a baby was a complete blur. I barely remember what happened that whole week I was off work. I selflessly sacrificed sleep and tried to be as involved as I possibly could. This is when I began to realize how much I like my schedule. Before a baby, I could plan my day and time at home to accomplish the goals I wanted to. Wanted to. Now, things would rarely go as planned when I was home. On top of this, I didn't really feel connected to my newborn daughter. She wasn't interactive, and I didn't know how to handle that. So I began throwing myself more and more into my work. At work, I knew my schedule. I could set my day, achieve the goals I wanted to. I was doing well, and I enjoyed the accolades I received from my achievements. I began to be distant, even even during the hours I was physically at home. Even though this was natural for me uh, at the time, I still tried to fight it. I knew that I needed to be a strong husband and be present at home. I just didn't know how to do that. It was a hard battle that I wasn't used to fighting. It was much easier for me to let my title at work and my salary determine my value instead of letting Christ do that.
1: Being a new mom brought a whole new a whole set of gamut, excuse me, a whole gamut of unexpected struggles for myself. After only being home, or after only being at a job for ten months, I decided to stay home with our little girl. While this has been a desire of mine for many years, I found myself missing work, the adult interaction, and the feeling that I didn't have worth being at home with someone that couldn't communicate with me. With hormones and the feeling of not doing anything of worth, I began to look at Brett to give me value. Brett's job was very tasking, both while he was there and while he was at home. He would get home most nights super late, which left me with all the household chores, including what felt like being a single parent to our daughter. The resentment began to build, but I wanted to be a good wife, so I kept it in. If you know me, though, you know that I'm not very good at hiding my feelings. It cultivated into what Brett likes to call independent Chris, which no one wants to live with, let alone be married to Through community and God's word, I was confronted with many truths about selfishness um, and areas that I needed to grow to find my own identity in Christ.
0: During this time, my community group guys started noticing how much work was taking over my life. They started asking tough questions and encouraging me to find a way to scale it back. I didn't really want to do this because I was afraid that it might change the things that gave me value. In the midst of these discussions, I was presented with a job opportunity that would greatly increase the flexibility of my schedule and surround me with people that would help me in my pursuit of finding my identity in Christ. The only problem was that I'd be taking a pay cut and a change and changing my title to a much less desirable one in the world's eyes. My res- my initial response was definitely not. What went through my mind was I'd worked way too hard and way too many hours to take a step back in my career like this. Through the encouragement of people I trust, I took a step back and tried to truly evaluate this new position. This was the first time that I started seeing and acknowledging how my sinful patterns were negatively affecting my family. It was also the first time that I saw that my view of work and money may not align with what the Bible says.
1: I knew this new job. Job opportunity would change a lot of what was going on at home. While I didn't want to put my hope in the job, I truly believed that the Lord was leading Brett towards something that would do nothing but stretch and glorify and bring glory to the Lord. While our lifestyles would have to change financially, I was willing to take that as long as I had my husband at home and honestly taking steps to better his relationship with the Lord. I told Brett how much I supported his decision no matter what and that I was always on his team. I knew that nagging wouldn't help the situation. I wanted to let him know that I was with him 100%, but I still had to work on myself as well.
0: After after evaluating the possible job change in light of how it would positively affect my family and many other aspects of my life, we decided it was best to make the change. There was nothing magically different about my tendencies of control or withdrawing to work, but I was now more aware of them. I had a fresh start at a new job and was able to use that as a jumping off point for change. Honestly, I thought it'd be really easy to just work less. I mean, I work at a church, but it wasn't. The temptation to work more and earn the approval of others around me was and is definitely still present. At first, it was difficult for me to see what a huge advantage this newfound job flexibility really was. It didn't take long though for that benefit to become clear. Almost exactly two years ago, we were sitting up here telling our story while Chris was 31 weeks pregnant with our son. Just three weeks later, we received news that could have easily been a crushing blow. Chris had been really sick. We had chalked it all up to another difficult pregnancy. But after being in the hospital for a week and running a bunch of tests, they found out that there was a tennis ball-sized tumor in the back of my wife's brain. We were stunned, to say the least. At first, there was an eight-week plan for delivery of our son and then removal of the tumor. Then things started spinning out of control. Uh, The symptoms progressed at such a rapid rate that our son was born through emergency C-section just days later. Five days after that, while still in the hospital, my wife collapsed in my arms and was unconscious. The doctor immediately made the call that we could wait no longer She needed emergency surgery to remove the tumor. The next few days, there was so much uncertainty. All I could do was wait and see how or if my wife's body would recover from the brain trauma. Through this time of waiting, our friends and family never left our side. Without people around me constantly reminding me of the truth of God's word, I don't know if I would have been able to make it through this difficult time.
1: The biggest challenge for me was missing so much of my new baby and my two-year-old's life. By God's grace, I do not remember the pain and agony I was in for almost two weeks. I do, however, um, feel like I have missed out on my kids' lives. I didn't get to bring my newborn premature son home from the hospital. I didn't get to walk him through the door to our home for the first time. I have very foggy memories of him meeting his big sister because of all the medications that they had me on and the pain that persisted even with their help. I did, however, get to see the church be the church, the hands and the feet of the man I say I believe in. This time in my life, the rubber met the road. Was I going to hold secure to the Savior I'd put my trust in years ago, or was I going to sit there and cry out, why me? Community played a huge role, again, through this process. Our group showed up at our house with meals, took the children on more than one occasion um, to give our parents a break. Organized people to clean our house, mow our yard, and provide us with meals. Most importantly, our community reminded us that the God we serve has not abandoned us but loved us with a love that is unconditional and had never once left our side. They reminded me of truth. My identity is not in, Brett, in being Brett's wife, not in being Landry and Colson's mom, and not in this half-bald woman that couldn't even hold her son when she came home. They reminded me that I am a beautiful daughter of the king who wept with me and who comforted me in the hardest and darkest of times.
0: Four weeks after being released from the hospital, Chris's headache started coming back. After a couple of checkups with the neurosurgeon, they found out that the glue used to close her skull had gotten infected. She would have to go back in for yet another brain surgery. This felt like a step backwards in so many ways. Chris had just started getting some of her strength back, so to need more surgery and more time in the hospital was really discouraging. What was supposed to be a routine surgery did not go as well as planned. Her brain swelled up and would not allow the fluids to drain properly, which led to a very scary night. If her brain was unable to get rid of the fluids naturally, they were going to have to remove part of her brain to make room. This was not fun news. Thankfully, through meds, her body reacted and was able to drain the fluid.
1: 2015 was a really rough year, and we were so thankful to close the books on it. On our Christmas cards that year, we even put, here's to kissing 2015 goodbye. (laughs) After the year we had, we were ready to be done with hospitals for a while. Unfortunately, God had a different plan. Exactly one year ago from today, it was Brett's turn for a little bit of a scare. Brett got sick, and we waited for the 24-hour bug to take its course. As the sickness worsened, Brett started complaining of terrible lower back pain. Because he's also type one diabetic, I called his endocrinologist, his diabetes doctor, and uh, to explain the issue. They asked us to come to the hospital to be pumped full of fluids. After arriving late Tuesday night, they took blood work and started an IV with the full expectation that we would be released in just a few hours. Once they got his blood results back, they immediately admitted him to the hospital. His kidneys were failing. The next day, the next few days were just a waiting game. His kidneys continued to worsen despite fluids and meds. The doctors had no idea what was happening. Once his levels reached a dangerous high, they put him through dialysis. From there, the doctors explained that this might be his new reality. If his kidneys could not switch back on, he would need to be on dialysis for the foreseeable future. Again, we were sitting in the same hospital dealing with an unknown future. And again, the people in our lives showed up in a big way. The Lord was showing me yet again that I was to trust Him with whatever the outcome would be. Thankfully, that one round of dialysis kick started Brett's kidneys again and he quickly turned the corner.
0: The common theme throughout our story has not only been medical trauma, but more importantly, it's been community. Our marriage has always been relatively steady. You no, know, things haven't always been perfect, but God has protected us from being in much worse places. In the good times and the bad, these friends have always been there. They've sat with us in living rooms and in hospital rooms. They've faced many uncertainties with us. They remind us of truth when we are tempted to believe the lies of this world. A couple of verses that remind us of this need are Romans twelve fifteen: Rejoice with those who rejoice and mourn with those who mourn. And then Hebrews three thirteen: But encourage one another daily as long as it is called today, so that none of you may be hardened by sin's deceitfulness. If you don't have anyone in your life that knows what you're struggling with on a daily basis, that's one of the first steps. Get people around you that can spur you on towards Christ, who surround you in hard times with encouragement and admonishment, and who rejoice with you in times of victory.